0: This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station.
1: Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. One of the many industries hit hard by the COVID-19 pandemic and the movement control order has been the arts. So with public events, gatherings and opportunities for travel being so limited, many arts practitioners have been struggling to create art and and to make a living. This situation is further exacerbated in Sabah and Sarawak, where the lack of access, connectivity and accessibility affects life beyond just the arts sphere. So as we honour Malaysia Day 2020, I thought it would be a good time to learn how the pandemic has impacted arts practitioners in Sabah and Sarawak. Joining me for this conversation are the co-founder of the Tuyang Initiative, Juvita Tatenwan and Emmanuel Chi, who is the former president of the Society of Performing Arts, Kota Kinabalu Sabah. Thank you for joining me, guys.
0: Thank you for having us.
1: Thanks. <laughs> um, so maybe the best place to start would be for us to get a sense of the specific challenges in Sabah and Sarawak this year when it comes to the
2: arts. Sure. Um, I Well, I'll share for Sarawak just very broadly. I think for wider Sarawak, it's more of not knowing where we stand in the grand scheme of things because the pandemic has already kind of amplified our usual bread and butter issues. And in previous years, there was barely any safety net for you if you were an arts maker. So we don't have a robust ecosystem as compared to Nanjung, But And now, there's even more uncertainties to deal with. Mm. So that's how I see it for Sarawak at least. And uh, Emmanuel?
0: Yeah, I guess more or less affected the same way. And uh, right now, it's just, uh, yeah, everybody's just trying to get back to where it was before
1: <laughs>
0: where yeah it's I mean both are challenging lah. but now even more so uh, like juvita has mentioned
1: I was also curious to um, hear from you guys I wanted you to give us give, give us a sense of uh, the kinds of people that you represent with your organization um, the different kinds of arts makers and creatives uh, so maybe we can start with uh, Juvita and tell and if you could tell us um, who the two young initiative encompasses.
2: Yeah, so we work with uh, primarily cultural practitioners from the Dayak communities, and Dayak is a blanket term for Borneo Indigenous communities. Uh, so they range from 74-year-old uh, Sapek masters to uh, 23-year-old singing storytelling um, practitioners uh, from various communities. So uh, for geographically, we are... Our practitioners are based in combination of urban centres as well as uh, rural areas, um, and and it's been quite a quite a challenging time in order for us to regroup with everybody because of the MCO. But I think during the RMCO we managed to kind of get everybody back together again and and deal with with uh, digital related things uh, with. Uh, even our elder practitioners. Uh, So what we did recently was we kind of worked with them on maximizing their mobile phones. Uh, So most of them have a smartphone of sorts, uh, but they utilize it for really basic functions. So we told them, hey, you know what? Uh, If we ever get separated again and we are no longer able to Uh, connect with each other this is what you could do you know this is a you can start recording a video diary we taught them how to also frame simple shots you know if they're working on crafts they could we taught them how to take basic photos clean photos that they can try and send to us when they have connect connectivity um, so we can share their stories out from from our hubs Um, and I think that's something that we we didn't think of of doing immediately but because of the pandemic that kind of sped up the entire process so yeah that's a just a little illustration of the the people that we work with Mm. and Emmanuel
1: what about the Society for Performing Arts KK so Society
0: of Performing Arts is actually still there I just finished my term as president and uh, yeah so at um, at What Sparks is, is actually an organization that um, helps to (laughs) showcase the local talents. And we try and help them to uh, get the platforms and that they need to be on and also send them to where they need to be. So basically it's also to Connect from outside to the locals here. So whoever is keen on working with the locals here, uh, we get engaged also uh, numerous times of the year. But as of now, uh, we all know that, that a lot of things didn't happen. We were supposed to do things with the U.S. Embassy, um, but it didn't happen as well this year because of the MCO. Uh, but at the moment, like I told you earlier on, uh, a lot of things were on hold. One of one of the two things that um, got uh, held back was the KK Arts Festival, that is supposed to be a weeks long festival that I was actually planning to do this year, and uh, but uh, and also KK Jazz Festival, which runs for two days, uh, two na- two nights, uh, normally each year, but yeah, uh, because of the uh, pandemic, all this got affected and we couldn't do any of those and. Um, so we are, yeah, trying to think of other ways to do things that, which is now the the best option that we have is actually going online with it. So we're not sure uh, what's going to be, uh, what's going to happen as of now because we're just toying with the idea at the moment. And uh, you know, some people feel that you know, uh, everybody's going online. Why should we follow this and that? You know, but. At the same time, you know, it's the best thing that um, we have at the moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's still in the talk, to- but In the talks, that I'll see whether what you want to do with it, mm.
1: yeah. So you guys, you represent a uh, performing arts in the sense of across the board actors, musicians, as well as um, behind the scenes and so on.
0: Yes, correct.
1: Could you give a sort of comparison? I mean, we're at the we're approaching the last quarter of the year. Uh, you know, you, this is usually the point of t- point in time where most people t- take stock of what's happened. So, uh, if you could sort of compare or give a snapshot of what this year has been like in terms of, I suppose, both opportunities, income, you know, as well as uh, the general feel versus previous years.
2: Well, for for. Our organization, at least, um, we obviously lost a lot of opportunities because of the pandemic. Um, And that has also put us in a situation where we have to rethink a lot of the the ways that we have been doing things in the past. Uh, We're not a very old organization. We're only three years old. Uh, But from the way we communicate with our rural cultural practitioners, for example, to how we uh, effectively uh, communicate with um, the wider audiences. And, you know, we, we take pride in a lot of uh, running our cultural workshops and our exhibitions and everything is in person. And, and when the pandemic hit, obviously that all stopped. So we had to very quickly think on our toes and see how we could ensure that we... we not to say keep the level of opportunities um, coming because I, I, it's really hard for us to foresee something like this, right? So, um, it's more of rethinking how we can deliver that. Uh, so, yeah. So I mean, like, for ex- one of the big things that was that was supposed to happen for us this year was a tour. We were supposed to go to um, uh, to Japan and Singapore with our our musical theater Kalunan. But when that stopped, we had to quickly go. Okay, how else can we deliver this to an existing audience that's ready to see us? So we had to think about uh, potential of doing a virtual edition, and then how do we do that uh, with limited uh, resources and infrastructure here in Miri? Mm. So there was a lot of a lot of moving parts that we had to work with and make do, uh, as opposed to the opportunities that have that. Um, our peers might have in KL, for example. You know, there are a lot of uh, avenues in terms of venues. You've got production guys who are always ready to 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 come and help out. Uh, but we don't have that luxury here, uh, especially here in Miri. Uh,
0: yeah, for from my side, at least personally, what I can see uh, that affected the most is actually um, Events lah. events that uh, were supposed to happen this year, like uh, KK Arts Festival, KK Jazz Festival, and all that, all that went down the drain, yeah, because of the uh, COVID-19, and because of that, a lot of um, plans were held back, and you know, there's so many uncertainties. And for for me personally, um, jobs I had, uh, you know, I had few lined up uh, earlier this year. And I was supposed to travel for that, to KL, uh, to Philippines, to Hong Kong. But unfortunately, due to the pandemic, you know, everything got held back. And I think I'm not the only one la, who can help um, well, the rest of uh, everybody. La. If you go downstream, everybody was affected. Uh, all the artists, the uh, promoters, agents, people who are in logistics, people who are in, uh, doing the... Uh, production every got affected me. so mm-hmm. I'm part of that uh, yeah
1: um, I think it, it's maybe quite apparent to to a lot of people outside of the arts industry why the MCO was tough because um, you know nobody could go out there were no shows no public gatherings and so on um, but now that it's in the we're in the Rmco phase and also performances are being allowed you um, you know, gatherings are being allowed with social distancing. Have things changed or improved?
0: Yes, things have definitely improved, um, at least for what I do here in my hometown in KK. Uh, So one of the first few things that we started was to try and save a life venue, new, um, which was, uh, it's called Mars KK Life. So we believe that this place uh, needs to sustain until times gets better. But by what we had in plan was actually just to do a live stream out of the venue instead of every week, uh, like before the lockdown, people would go and attend uh, the gigs. So what we did was we just streamed out the band live. Each band, uh, each week we have one band. To stream out about 40 minutes to an hour, and we open up the lines for donations, like, Just to try and save the venue, like. So for me, it was very uplifting because finally I had access to live music. Uh, for, on the first episode, I almost cried because <laughs> I forgot how how what how it meant uh, what it meant for me, like, to be around live music and the people that goes behind the scene and stuff like that. So and we see a lot of uh, people doing. Uh, more live streaming out of uh, beautiful locations now like um, in around KK and uh, mm-hmm. yeah people are even like artisan markets are starting up again uh, now and but of course with the sops and stuff like that lah. Mm-hmm. and of course the crowd and the vendors were not as much as before but at least there's some sense of the all normal coming back in slowly mm-hmm. la.
2: Yeah, I think um, there is some semblance of normalcy, I suppose, but people are generally uh, still cautious. And I think um, for uh, arts organizations like ours, we we tread carefully because uh, you know it's not just about protecting um, the people who come and and. And uh to protect the audience. It's also about protecting our practitioners and ensuring safety all around. So uh so yeah, we're still we we'll, we're still finding ways um in order to be more um to be more functional in a sense. Uh so like uh, but how I see it, the difference between um, the MCO time and the RMCO is there's there's two two states in which people are uh, are on. The first one is either you're on survival mode and then the other one is like how do you maximize this so-called downtime, you know, the, get out of that, that hustle, right? So on the basic survival front, um, a lot of it is about putting food on the table. So some arts makers and creatives have kind of like resorted to working odd jobs and starting food businesses, Um, And then some lounge musicians um, we personally know have resorted to like live streaming nightly and putting their account numbers to receive donations and stuff like that. Um, And then about like from on the point of maximizing the downtime, uh, that's this is obviously assuming you have digital connectivity. Mm. Uh, There's a lot more digital forums on a national and regional uh, level in which our arts practitioners can get involved in from this side of the country, you know, in normal times, we would be asked to travel to KL to participate in these dialogues, or sometimes we have to contend with our Semenanjung counterparts for space in regional ones. You know, so instead, this time around, uh, everything's virtual. Uh, even in this RMCO phase, where things are seemingly getting better, there's still a lot of conversations that can be had virtually, and we now have the opportunity to network. Uh, plan for future opportunities or even collaborations uh, from the comfort of our home states. La. Mm-hmm. So for us, like, in, I, I personally feel that I'm in a slightly more privileged position from uh, from some of our, uh, our peers. So we still have to find a way to hustle outside what we originally planned. So we want to still be able to express our creativity while generating income and for us, it's about men- being able to maintain our team, right? Mm. So um, an example, during during our MCO, our core teams were all based in, in Miri, um, in Bintulu. Uh, so we have weekly virtual meetings where we we just kind of sat around and talked about, we, we didn't want to talk about the state of the world because obviously that's not going to change and it's not going to do anything for us. So instead, we started reflecting on, vast open spaces in our kampong. Like we were just imagining what would it be like if we're back there, like how we could just walk around and there's no limitation. We could still go in Mandi Sungai, you know, it's not going to be a, a problem. And uh, thinking about stories by our elders. And that's when we decided at that point was when we kind of like, hey, you know, we might be onto something here. Uh, so we just, that's when we decided to translate our folk stories into English and Uh, even thought about sharing reflections expressed by our elders during the MCO. You know, this is something that even they found a little jarring and and very different. Mm. And we put all these things on our website and because response on the folk stories was so great, we decided to put a little story and coloring book together. Right. So we called it Dayak Lore and we opened it up for pre-order and it travel it really traveled because of digital connectivity we had orders from the uk australia singapore around the country and we had at that point we had zero knowledge on how to come up with a book but we found a way in the comfort of our homes and then and we did and we produced the book so now it's officially out fast forward now it's officially out and in a limited quantity and it's available for purchase on the website so it's it's not to say that everything is hunky-dory and There is no real going back to normal, but we needed to, I think that time kind of gave us the chance to to reevaluate a lot of the ways that we were doing things and how we were never really looking at digital as a real tool as opposed to just communicating and how do we integrate it into the process of us uh, delivering as arts practitioners and stuff like that. But that time kind of, I wouldn't say push us into a corner, but it, Definitely gave us the time to really think about it. Right.
1: I'm speaking with Juvita Tatanwan of the Tuyang Initiative and Emmanuel Chi from the Society of Performing Arts, Kota Kinabalu Sabah, about the impact of the COVID 19 pandemic on arts practitioners in Sabah and Sarawak. We'll be back after a short break. You're listening to Front Row on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Front Row on the Bigger Picture and I'm Sharmila Ganesan. I'm speaking with Juvita Tatanwan of the Tuyang Initiative and Emmanuel Chi from the Society of Performing Arts Kota Kinabalu Sabah about the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on the arts practitioners in Sabah and Sarawak. So um, since both of you brought up this idea of the digital, um, digital, I suppose, opportunities, but the limitations are also a reality, right? Because yes. um, what's happened during the pandemic is that because physical performances were not able to be done, many arts makers have turned to the digital space, both to be connected as well as to present the works. Um do you see this being a possible way forward? I know you you mentioned some of the initiatives that you guys have already been doing, uh, but in terms of also the feasibility, the challenges, um, what are some of those?
2: I think digital is a great tool to a certain degree, uh, depending on who, where, what is being created or or how it's presented. I mean, for filmmakers or some established musicians, they this is a great chance to, to work at personal engagement with the audience in ways in ways like never before, right? Um, and I think this would kind of be the expectations of audiences moving forward, especially during that stretch in which everyone was locked down. Um, also, generally, I think makers, creators are no longer geographically bound so they could possibly reach a much wider audience. Uh, but I, I personally don't think anything can replace experiencing the arts live. I don't think, not yet anyway. <laughs> I can see Manuel um, doing two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think, uh, yeah, I mean, there is no replacement to that feeling of, of feeling um, live music, you know, experiencing that live or, or being in a, in a theater space and, and hearing it and, sensing is part of the entire experience. So I think, yeah, digital, yes, to a certain degree. Um, I guess there will be innovations in how we will be presenting our work because of this time. Uh, but for now, I think the beauty of the arts is is what it makes you feel as you experience it in person, right? So I think that's something that's really hard to replicate mm. uh, at this point of time.
1: I feel you're going to agree 100%, Emmanuel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you totally took 100% of my words <laughs> yeah I mean yeah like it's an experience that you need to be at a live venue to experience like, the, the ambience the energy of the room or the, the, the venue or the field the open field or a stadium it's just something that I think nobody can fully explain uh, you yourself you need to actually be there uh, to experience this uh, what she's trying to say la. and um yeah, I missed that. That's why I almost cried when we did the, <laughs> the stream the first time, yeah.
1: But what about questions of, um, questions of the basics that you need to be able to get onto the digital space? Things like Wi-Fi, things like um, the tools, you know, a phone or a laptop, uh, a modem, uh, you know, are these things that are easily accessible to everyone that is in the arts ecosystem?
2: Definitely not in equal parts. (laughs) So like for us in the urban centers, we definitely have it better. Yes. Great. Questionable, but good enough. And we have been masters of make do for a while now. So, um, uh, I mean, we, we basically get creative with how we do it. And, uh, and it is coming from, from, be trying to survive and and trying to convey a message the best way we can. Sometimes we hit, uh, sometimes it's a hit, sometimes it's a miss. But it's from trying that we're able to, to come up with with solutions. Uh, but having said that, I mean these are issues. Like we're talking about infrastructure, we're talking about um, tools and stuff like that. It's it's not something that everyday joes like us uh, can solve. You know, it's something that um, something that that needs to be looked at um, more holistically into uh, what the needs are, and not just for the arts. It's it's across it's it's basic um, necessities, you know, um, for for a lot of people.
0: Mm. Yeah, I I guess it's just quite the same for Sabah, but uh, I mean, meaning for us in the urban area is already uh, quite a challenge one more for those who are out of the urban areas and uh, for Sabah and Sarawak I, I, I'm not sure if anyone can grasp the idea of being in the interior and when you need to get something out there if you're in the interior it is really challenging I'm not yes. sure if you guys have uh, heard about the story of Viviana
1: yes. she was yeah. uh, yes.
0: She the one who climbed the tree to just to sit for exam. So you imagine she is just one of them, you know, that has gone back to the kampong and had to sit for an exam. For those people who did not think of that or who did that but did not document their journey in taking that exam, mm. yeah, that is, uh, that is that is another question So to just give them uh, to give people a rough idea of what an interior area feels like or looks like in Sabah and Sarawak is totally sometimes you really need to go like, and see yeah. and understand and maybe look at your phone why am I not getting anything why is the next person getting <laughs> the full signal you know things like that is very challenging like even myself uh, I, I'm i in a, an urban area here in KK but like getting when, when it was in full-blown lockdown I wanted to do uh, a lot of online streaming um, content and a lot of um, uh, podcasts. Uh, I wanted to get into podcasts. So I started to look online and stuff like that. And me like, if we're like everyday people like, we won't be doing this. But because of the circumstances, we had to try and adapt. But even trying to adapt was a challenge for myself because I'm not a techie person and obviously I know friends who can do this. But then we're all separated and and I'm just left with Google and YouTube to, to, to reference and to check on uh, whether I can do this myself with whatever limited hardware I have at home be, at that time. So, I mean, that's, even in the urban area, I feel already challenged what more in the interior. So, yala.
1: Could you give me, could you give us a sense of um, your fellow artists, creatives, um, practitioners who are doing their work in these interior areas or perhaps not, you know, areas that are not as connected as, um, you know, the places that you are might be. Uh, just yeah. a sense of what they've been facing and continue to face now.
2: I think yeah.
0: Juvita has a better answer on like this one.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, actually we we have a cultural practitioner who is based in rural Baram. Um, his uh, kampung is called Longmo and that's about six hours outside of MIRI. So we've been trying to get materials over to our practitioners uh, so that they can rehearse for our virtual uh, our virtual musical theatre. Uh, so what Edmund, our practitioner, has been doing was he's been tapping on the internet connectivity of the nearest school in order to communicate with us. So... This is as we were planning. So we were sending him small clips. We literally chopped clips really short so we can send to him as reference, like, um, and and to a couple of others who are also in a more rural setting, right? And um, so one, this one time, he just went quiet, and um, for a couple of days, we were like, oh, no response, okay. Um, and then when he came back online, he said, oh, the internet at the school was down. So he's now tapping on the clinic's internet connection. <laughs> so he's resourceful, you know? So so we while we were worried about him, but we also kind of guessed, you know, that was probably what happened. You know, he's fine in the kampong. It's just, there's no way for him to communicate with us. So yeah, internet connectivity problems. I mean, our rural communities have a whole host of of." Uh, challenges that that also uh, that they also face. You know, we're talking about basic electricity. We're talking about road access problems, and those are like conversations for another day. You know, um, but yeah. So while we feel like uh, <laughs> the pandemic has shown an ex- like an extra spotlight on these issues for us here, but it's something that we in East Malaysia are very well aware of. Um, and but yeah, there's no way for us to immediately solve it. You know, mm-hmm. it's not like we can we can uh, create the infrastructure through our imagination the same way we create our arts right mm-hmm. but because it, it involves heavy resources expertise and and the conversation around viviona's challenges on a national level hopefully is not a seasonal one and that something is really being worked on to address it for our rural communities that's facing this these challenges um, but I also wanted to add like in terms of that, that, that's basic infrastructure, right? So we always talk about um, how we always go back to a bit of uh, bread and butter, and then we talk about the arts at the same time. So now for arts-related infrastructure, so for bigger cities like Kuching and KK, while it's not ideal, there has been some growth and improvements. There are black boxes, there are galleries and such. But for Miri, where we're based, there's none of that. Uh, we're, and we're technically a city. Yeah. Right. So, so for us, we again have to get really creative, get really resourceful in figuring out how or where to put our exhibitions, how to film our musical theatre, and so that we can stage it to the world. You know, and we have to make do, and that's that's something that's, that seems to be the, the ongoing theme for the year. We're getting more uh, creative and resourceful. Um, <laughs> in a, in a, yeah. Res- resourcefulness. Mm.
1: Now there have been, of course, um, various grants and assistance programs that have been rolled out by the government for, uh, you know, and some of them are specifically for those in the arts. Um, have these been effective when it comes to practitioners in Sabah and Sarawak?
2: For uh, personally, for, for me, I think some of the initiatives are getting into the urban centers of East Malaysia and, um, like the ones administered by Chandana, for example, because they've started um, roadshows shows and, and awareness programs uh, the past year or so. So like, even for us, we applied for the quick and small Create Now funding, which is just a, a quick, a quick uh, plug uh, for us to transform our existing art forms into something that can be utilized on digital. Uh, but not all artists and creatives in um, Sarawak, have equal access and opportunities to do so. They're not necessarily tapped into this ecosystem for various reasons. Mm. Um, obviously, not just internet connectivity, but also in being able to articulate their needs uh, because a lot of times it's coupled again with bread and butter issues, you know. So that will take precedence over art creation, for example. So they might they might head off and do something else in the meantime. Uh, so yeah, that's that's how I feel about the grants and assistance.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, so for Sabahans that I know, because I also work quite closely with uh, the people uh, from Chinana, a lot of, they've been advocating here uh, for a long time. And even during the uh, RMCO, they came once already. And uh, obviously, uh, I try to get many as my friends or their friends to come in um, to listen uh, to what they have to offer and how they can help change, at least help them better their lives in some ways, uh, be it long term or short term. Uh, so, uh, at what I've gathered uh, the information is uh, two things. La. One, they are aware of it or they are not aware of it. La. Two, some of them that are even aware of it, they feel it. They feel that it's very tedious and very intimidating to actually put in their proposal in words uh, mm. because of uh, the word, word skills, the lack of the, the right w- uh, word skills that they uh, have at the moment.
1: So, something as simple uh, as applying for that assistance. Yeah.
0: Yes. So, mm. yeah. So, and some of them just give up halfway uh, where they look at the form because some of the questions they seem like it's repeating but in different words. And I myself, when I went through the form, I'm like, oh my gosh, what are they trying to ask me? You know, like I've already given all my answers, but what more do you want? You know, so but I can understand uh, from their side why they're doing this because you know, uh, again, this is um, grants from. Uh, I mean, these are the funds from uh, that are going to be approved from the Ministry of uh, Finance, and the money comes from taxpayers, so they cannot just simply let their own. I understand why they have all these questions, also. But at the same time, when people are really in a need, and you know they feel that they're um, pressed by time and all these other commitments are lining up as well, they just feel that filling up the form is just too much for them. They get overwhelmed, and then that's it, la And some of them don't don't know that um, how to say uh the right way of filling up the forms and putting yes. in the proposals, what What are the details that they need to put in, the information that they need to provide to all these uh, organisations that are giving out the grants.
1: So uh, what would, in in your opinion, and, and from speaking to people who work alongside you, with you, what do you think would be most useful to arts practitioners right now? Um, and, and alongside that, what do you think are the most urgent needs right now for arts practitioners in Sabah and Sarawak?
0: I just think that uh, at the moment uh, they, they're doing quite good already. Lah. But I think what they need to do is come uh, go more on the ground, hear their stories, uh, understand what they're facing and what they're going through. And I think also for uh, the applicants, whoever, lah, all these uh, uh, related people, they should also come to understand where they're coming from as well. So that both Uh, have a mutual agreement to see Mm -hmm. a mutual understanding, to see where both sides are coming from and then try and meet somewhere in the middle.
2: Kind of like expanding on what uh, Nook has said, um, I think one of the greater ways is to enable us players on the ground, especially the urban practitioners to become the agents. So we can go, uh, go out and help disseminate the word about the grants or assistance that's available both on federal or state level, right? Because right now, there's only so much we can do. We're in the midst of hustling to survive ourselves. So give us the tools needed. Hire us if need be. Activate us. Commission us so we can go out and assist our peers from not only telling them about the aid that's available, uh, but help guide those who are maybe rural settings to help apply for it too, uh, if necessary. That way, we can have true inclusion of practitioners across the board. Because right now it's there's no point saying um, yeah somebody has great idea uh, but they don't know how to apply the form and it's their loss. Right now it's really about how can we bring as many people onto the table and I think that's that's severely lacking um, from from accessing or tapping onto the aid that's coming. So like, aid's there, but how do we get there? Right mm. and and secondly, like from I I feel that the private and public sector should also explore using the social procurement model in acquiring services from from art practitioners, you know, either like commissioning artists at a city council level to beautify the city or bringing on board, I don't know, pub musicians who lost their daily job, perhaps to explore as sessionists for recording or composition jobs. Because that way, not only do the art practitioners exercise their core strengths, but they are also, in a way, upskilled and they gain employment of some sort. There's also a lot of underutilized spaces because of the MCO and the RMCO. Uh, so I think uh, both government and maybe private sector could explore opening it up to artists or creators to utilize the spaces for cheap or free. right? So that way, the spaces come alive and potentially new work can developed uh, can be developed.
1: And just to wrap up, um, I wanted to ask you what you would say is the most pressing need or, or most urgent need right now when it comes to the arts practitioners in in Sabah or
2: The way I see it, they are they are the low hanging fruits that I just mentioned. Like you know, if if we need if we want our practitioners to be able to access um, the the grants or assistance that's available, enable us. to to go out and do that for them. Like, we have successfully gotten the grant from Chandana, right? So we are able to then guide our peers on how to do it. And I think that's the best way as peers uh, in our home state. We've we've got a lot of, it's a huge geographical area to cover Mm -hmm. and we know the terrain the best, right? So we would be able to also, uh, we also know who our peers are and it's easier for us to do it. So I think that's the one of the low hanging fruits, and um, and yeah, I think I think um, the commissioning of work to the arts practitioners, uh, as opposed to just also giving handouts, is is a better way. It, it returns, uh, it shows us that what we do has value. You know, getting paid to deliver our work reflects that um, reflects that we have that value, and it's much better than just just taking aid for the sake of it and. Enabling spaces for us will give us that that sense of pride too. So we can continuously strive to create work and and continue, as opposed to thinking that you know this is this is the end of the road for me.
1: Mm. Emmanuel, in terms of priorities right now,
0: I think for me, um, what I realized during even now, uh, since this whole thing happened, that because I'm a freelancer, uh, when it comes to uh, entertainment. Uh, I realized that I didn't fit in in a lot of places where the grants were given up because I'm not an artisan, nor am I a songwriter of sorts. So I, I didn't really fit in, you see. So like for people like me, uh, we are actually in the gray area where people really don't know. Uh, I, I mean, when, uh, what I mean to say is there isn't a guild for us as well. Or an association, or whatever that takes care of us freelancers. Uh, you know, when we say freelancing, we it's it's a lot like, uh, From sound, lights, staging, uh, what have you, um, and we realize that hey, all these people, as long as they can sing or they can play music or they can draw or they can do some digital design they're pretty much covered already. They, all they need to do is just work towards it. And then we realise that there's nothing really out there for us. So, I think uh, a few of us realize this and I think uh, a few friends in KL have actually initiated to uh, try and get one going. But I'm not too sure what's happening at the moment. But I think uh, it, it feels like we were forgotten in a way, uh, not to... to to dramatize this stuff, but it, it does feel that way. You know, or you know, people who have uh, talents uh, in other I mean like the normal ones are like playing music and stuff like that, or you can create uh, something out of uh, recyclables, you know. And they're the people that are getting the funds. And what about us? You know, we're the ones also making the show happen, you know, when on normal circumstances. So yeah la, so I think hopefully uh, that goes somewhere and something happens because actually, if it wasn't for this pandemic, this thing wouldn't have happened. We wouldn't have realized this as well. Mm. So yeah, I think uh, that should be addressed to quite soon. And like Jivita said, la, you know handouts are very good to go with as well. Uh, but I guess in, in doing so, uh, it needs to be done uh, How do I put it uh, done in the proper way lah not just simply you know
1: in a sustainable uh, way
0: yeah also yes correct
1: mm. well thank you so much emmanuel thank you juvita thank thanks, you
2: thanks
1: I've been speaking with Juvita Tatanwan, who is the co-founder of the Tuyang Initiative, and Emmanuel Chi, who is the former president of the Society of Performing Arts, Kota Kinabalu Sabah. With Malaysia Day falling tomorrow, we thought we'd look at arts practitioners in Sabah and Sarawak and the particular struggles that they've been facing because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the movement control order. If you've missed any part of today's interview or any previous Front Row segments, you can download the podcasts on bfm.my, on our BFM app or on Spotify. You've been listening to Front Row on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes, BFM 89.9, the business station.